Good morning, friends. My name is Lucas, uh, one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, BC. Uh, I say beautiful Powell River. Um, we have some um, family up right now visiting with us, and they just keep on saying, uh, what a great place to be quarantined, to be on lockdown. Uh, we, I mean, we really do live in the best place. So if you are from Powell River, you know that to be true. If you're not from Powell River, you're welcome to come visit anytime because this place is unbelievable and we are so blessed to be able to live here. Uh, today, we are going to be continuing our series in Hebrews. If you're joining us and you're new to us, uh, we're, we're in a series through the book of Hebrews in the New Testament of Scripture. And uh, the, the title is Hebrews, The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. And that's the main thrust of that whole entire book. And so we're exploring that concept. And uh, today's no different. And we're going to jump into that right away. But before we do, we do have a few announcements for you. This next Sunday, August 9th, we are having the second of our Sunday services for the summer. You do have to pre-register for those. You can visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch to get set up with that date. There's a nine o'clock and there's an 11 o'clock service. They're both the same, so you just have to sign up for one of those. Uh, if you did come to the July one, we ask that you just hold off and make space for those who haven't had an opportunity to come to a Sunday service this summer. Also, Evangel Kids, we are doing a small gathering. It's one hour, and that is going to be happening August 13th. Again, if you visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see Evangel Kids there, and you can register online, get your kids. So yeah, just drop them off. You take off, go have a coffee together, do whatever you need to do. Come back, pick them up in an hour. Uh, that's at 6.30 on August 13th, but you do have to register for that so we can watch our numbers and do everything uh, the way we need to in this season. Well, let's jump in. And we're going to open in prayer, and I hope that you have your Bibles, whether it's a digital Bible or you have your Bible open, a physical Bible. If you do not have a Bible and you want to follow along with us today, just hit pause Jump over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and we'd love to get a Bible in your hands. Right now, it'll be a digital one, but you can also apply to have a physical one, our gift to you. We love giving out Bibles. So if you're in the Powell River region, we would love to get a Bible into your hands, our gift to you. So let's open a prayer, and then we're going to jump in. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the summer. We thank you for the beautiful weather we've been having. And, Lord, would you just... Uh, by your spirit, collectively, we, we, though we're sitting all in different areas, in different places, different houses, God, we are still one church, we're still one body, one family. So Lord, would you just give us a sense of that unity, that sense of that oneness that we have together in Jesus. And God, as we d dig into Hebrews, would you, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in truth. Cause it, Lord, to be more than an intellectual exercise, but cause it to be a life-changing revelation of your truth in our hearts and in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, amen, amen. All right, let's jump in. Uh, Steve Jobs, many of you would know who Steve Jobs is. Um, he, said, he said this, simple can be harder than complex. Simple can be harder than complex. 
You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. You have to work hard to make your thinking clean to make it simple. And, and I kind of ask the question, why is that? Why do you think that is? What, what is it about the human condition that causes us to sort of inevitably make things much more complicated than they need to be? You know, when you study organizations, you often see uh, success birthed out of simplicity. You know, many companies and, and services and they, they are birthed out of this simple idea, this laser-focused vision, this one kind of main thing, the main thing season. And yet, we begin to see as they grow and as they scale, they become more and more complex. In fact, not just complex, because complexity needs to increase if you're going to grow bigger, but needless complexity. We, we call that bureaucracy. Uh, you might hear red tape. We put a lot of red tape in the way and, and organizations become slower and more cumbersome. And this idea of complexity is one that we see in layers over every area of human existence. You know, just, just ask someone who has a strained relationship and uh, you might hear the, uh, the phrase, well, it's complicated. You know, who's heard that or who has it's an it's complicated relationship with someone. I think something is, I think if, if something is simple, we have this kind of way of um, being cynical about it. If it's simple, we, we say things like, it's just too simple, that's too easy. What's the catch? Where's the and? Where's the but? And I think in many ways, we, we kind of carry this bias towards simplicity. And, and it brings us to this place where we begin to add layers. We add layers to even our faith. Um, I would say that in many ways, uh, our faith and what we would call kind of religion, institutional religion, uh, has come out of not the scriptures, not the gospel, but has come out of this human need for complexity. And I think today we want to maybe dig into that thing, that, that moment a little bit. And, and we, we might say things like, you know, this is too good be, to be true. This idea of salvation being in Christ alone, apart from any works or deeds on our end, it's just too good to be true. We carry this cynicism by default as part of our human condition. And if we're honest, we can approach this concept with the same cynicism that we have, you know, watching an infomercial. And, and you kind of look at this product and you go, oh, that's just too good to be true. It's just too simple. And... The writer of Hebrews has been pounding this concept, this concept that Jesus alone, Jesus is high priest, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, Jesus is the one who brings salvation, and we don't contribute anything to that process. And we, we, we begin to think, perhaps that's just too simple. Perhaps I need to add some things to my salvation experience. But today, I hope to deal with this, this argument. And then, and then, I want to take a trip, ironically, into maybe more of the nuance. You might say more of the complex moments of the passage we're about to read. But I want to kind of take the, uh, talk about the main thing, the main thrust of this passage. But because the writer of Hebrews has been saying a lot of the same things over and over and over again, and we're just kind of hitting this nail on the head, I want to still hit the nail on the head today. But I also want to look into some of the more layered nuance 
through this passage in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with us there? Hebrews chapter 10. And it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, if you're kind of new to faith and you're new to this Christian experience, you might be asking, what in the world are you talking about? This is talking about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. This idea that every year the high priest and, and, and the priests would uh, serve the people of Israel by carrying out the sacrifices that were brought into the temple. And these sacrifices of animals would atone for, would cover the sins of the, of the people. But the problem was, it had to happen every year. The problem was that it wasn't a one-stop fix. It didn't have the power to bring holistic forgiveness of sins and salvation to the people. They had to continually do it. And so the writer of Hebrews here is just pointing that out. The writer is drawing the audience into this paradigm that has been a part of the Jewish way for thousands of years. Now, keep in mind, when, when this writer is writing to the Hebrews, much of the audience is Jewish. And so he's speaking to this Jewish reality. And you got to remember, Christianity isn't a new religion. It was and is the new reality of the Jewish faith in light of Jesus being the Messiah. So this is a continuation, not a new religion. It's the answer to the question, what are the implications of Jesus as the Messiah? And here the writer is saying, in contrast to the work of Jesus, the law, the sacrificial system, those things are just a shadow of the work of Jesus. The thing that Jesus did in terms of coming to earth, dying on the cross, being raised again, triumphant over death in the grave, and our sin, and our brokenness. That Old Testament picture is just a shadow. It just foreshadowed what was to come. It all pointed to Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Hebrews 10, 11 to 14 says, And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And I love this picture, this idea of the priests standing for service. Uh, Pastor Marcus, months ago, I don't know if you remember that time when we used to gather together in a building and, 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 and worship. And Anyway, uh, Marcus, Pastor Marcus, he preached, and, and part of his sermon was, it was kind of bringing light to this imagery. And the writer of Hebrews is painting this imagery of the priest standing for service. And they're contrasting that with Jesus 
who sacrificed his life. And then what did he do? He sat down. This is this imagery of the standing of the priests, the ongoing sacrificial system, the idea that it wasn't the permanent fix because you had to keep on working, keep on going. Jesus, on the other hand, sacrifices himself for the sins of all of humanity, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. There's this sense of completeness, this sense of the mission being completed. And I love this metaphor between working and striving, standing and sacrificing, contrasted with this idea of Jesus sitting. It is finished. The work is done. Notice what it says next in verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's a finished work. And I love this imagery, the position of Christ painting a picture of all that has been accomplished. But here's where I want to make a switch, and I want to switch gears, because that's the main thrust of uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And, and we're going to switch gears a little bit, though, and, and I want to speak to some of the nuance. At, at times, uh, we, we kind of feel like a broken record going through Hebrews here, and this argument being just kind of made over and over. But, but here's the big idea I hope to explore today. And if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes... Some of you are already saying it in your head because it's not even funny anymore. But if you're not taking notes, write this down. Sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. I'm going to say that again. Sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. I want you to think back to a moment in Genesis when we see an account of sacrifice happening. And it's happening between two brothers. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. We're just going to jump right into Genesis 4, 3-7. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Very early on in scripture, we are introduced to sacrifice and obedience being juxtaposed to one another. They both brought a sacrifice, but notice the detail in the description of Abel's sacrifice. It says, he brought the firstborn. He brought the firstborn. He brought the best. And, and even before it was made into law in the Exodus story, Abel had this sense that the best of his flock was what was going to please God. And, and Cain, on the other hand, brought the fruit of the ground. You know, the sentence structure, according to Faith Life Bible's uh, study Bible, says 
It could be read as Cain brought what was close at hand. You know, when you think of the, the fruit of the ground, perhaps you think about a fruit tree and an orchard, and instead of picking the right fruit and climbing up the ladder and getting to the, the best stuff, you go to the ground and you pick up the bruised and broken pieces that have fallen already. And so there's this moment of two sacrifices. One was of the firstborn, one was of the best, and one was what was at hand. The motivation of the heart, not the sacrifice itself, is what determined God's acceptance of it. And this makes the act of, of God and his son, Jesus, that much more powerful. You see, God gives up his only son, and Jesus not only goes through with the act of being sac the sacrificial lamb, but he goes through with it with the, the, the purest of motives. Obedience to the Father and love for humanity. And this is a part of what made it such a perfect sacrifice. Those components had to be present because God looks not on the outward appearance, not just on the outcomes, but he looks at the motives behind the outcomes. He looks at the motive behind the sacrifice. Sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. So let's get back to our text in Hebrews. The writer quotes uh, Jesus making reference to Psalm 40, 6 to 8. And he says this in verses 5 to 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not taken pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He, do, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus is essentially giving us the inside track on the Father's perspective. He does two things here. He's making a statement that his sacrifice fulfilled this moment because he was both sacrificed and he did it in perfect obedience. So not only was it the outcome, him being sacrificed, but it was the fact that he was willingly obedient to the will of God in it. Those two things together is what makes Jesus works so powerful on the cross. You see, sacrifice is, is still essential. It's still essential to the journey of faith, but not before it's preceded by obedience. Motivation of a heart to love and to fear and to know God. A putting down of your will and a picking up of his is so necessary. This is why Jesus commands his disciples of the task of picking up your cross daily. This is representative of putting down your own will and picking up the will of the Father, which is hard. It's a hard road to, to take. Pick up the will of God while sacrificing your own will. Have you ever had those moments when you make a sacrifice, but you kind of just do it begrudgingly? Um, I can, I can be a bit of a, a suck at times. You know, moments when my family really wants to do something and I'm just really not in the mood, but they kind of give me those eyes and they kind of 
And I go, okay, fine, let's, let's go and do whatever it is. But here's the deal. Sometimes I can be so immature and such a broken human being that I'll go along, but the whole time I'll just kind of have this edge to me. You know what I'm talking about? This sort of attitude, this, uh, I'm here, but I just really don't want to be, and I want to make sure you all know that I don't want to be here. What a brutal person to have to put up with when you're trying to make memories, trying to have some fun as a family. And this is something that I can do at times. And I think we all can do this. You know, sometimes I would constitute that as a sacrifice. You know, if, you, if just by definition, I go, okay, I didn't want to. And so I sacrificed and I went. But that's the problem. Sacrifice isn't enough because sacrifice like that breaks relationship, hurts relationship. Whereas willing obedience, willingness, out of motivation of love, out of motivation of selflessness, out of motivation, that plus sacrifice is the winning ticket. When people are willing to sacrifice because of relationship, because of love, because of those things that Jesus painted a picture for us, that's powerful and that's exactly what God looks for from us. You know, we can often be like this with God, this begrudging kind of sacrifice moment, you know. You know, we can often be like this with God. You know, we we'll say things like, you, you, want, you want me to do what? Uh, you want me to give what? You, you want me to talk to who? And, and then we do it, but the whole time we have this attitude about what we're doing. We begrudge the sacrifice. But the problem is sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. But there's another way in which this plays out in the life of the believer. Moments when we use the sacrifices that we do make to justify the moments when we refuse to obey. Let me give you an example of this. Some would say, um, I go to church now when we were going and, and or maybe I log in Sunday, 10 o'clock, YouTube, Facebook, faithfully. I sacrifice my time. I go to church faithfully. I even maybe even volunteer my time. And sometimes we take those sacrifices and we allow them to justify other areas of our lives where God is calling us to not sack, but to obedience. And we go with this part, we feel good enough about our faith journey that we hold those up and we suppress what would be willing obedience. Friends, don't let sacrifices that you do make justify areas of your life where the Holy Spirit is calling you to obedience. Don't let those things justify the suppression of obedience. Sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. Now, now you might say, you know, I thought it was uh, Jesus' work that makes us righteous and not our own. And so, you know, in the big picture, we, we're talking about salvation. And, and you're absolutely correct. However, the scriptures speak about this new reality in the life of the believer as well. You know, we're invited into a relationship with God through Jesus. And relationship becomes both the outcome and the impetus for this new life that we're given. Let me, let me put it this way. If it's just about salvation, if we're just talking about 
coming to Jesus and being saved, that work is 100% the work of Christ. But the scriptures also talk about this moment of those being sanctified. The word sanctified is essentially means looking more and more like Jesus each day, acting more and more like Jesus each day. And it's not about behavior modification. So before you get that in your head, that's not what it's about. It's about relationship. So here's the deal. If willing obedience is the thing that removes barriers from our lives so that we can have sacrifice and obedience together in relationship with God, then the impetus is relationship. It's all about knowing God deeper and more intimately. And that's the journey of faith post-salvation. You know, if you think about a relationship, right? If you think about young, young lovers, for instance, there's this removal, this systematic removal of time apart, right? They'll call or they'll make ridiculous gestures of trying to be together. And there's this sort of removal of time out of the way, time apart, and, and they get close together. Or, or there's removal of the geographic. And so they'll move heaven and earth to be together, to be in proximity to one another. And this leads to, um, you know, this moment, perhaps a proposal. This, this comes to this place where you ask someone to marry you and you say yes. And that, that systematic removal of time and space becomes even accelerated to the place now you're in the same house you've created your own family it's all about removing obstacles of time and space and things so that you can have intimacy and relationship but here's the deal that's the faith journey that's the impetus of salvation we've been given access to god and because god already wants relationship with you because he's already made himself available to you the Impetus is ours because we're the ones that have the barriers in place keeping us separated in time and space from our Father. And so the journey of sanctification, the journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day, is really a journey of sacrifice and willing obedience, removing barriers from our lives, space and time so we can be in intimacy with God because he's done so much for us. This is what we mean by sanctification, looking more and more like Jesus each day. Notice verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You know, there's this assumption that his offering of salvation leads to those who are being sanctified those who are on a journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day not because of behavior modification not because we need to earn something but because we have a heart to know him in greater intimacy and depth and so we remove any barrier that is in the way of knowing him willing obedience getting out of the way along with making sacrifices so we can grow in intimacy with God. Sacrifice is not a substitute for willing obedience. We need both of these things together. We can't throw one out and the other out. We need both of these things together. The outcome, but the motive together makes the difference.
And so today, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. If you're exploring faith, I'm so excited that you're kind of hanging out with us online. Uh, lots of great people you'll see in the comments. Uh, maybe if you're in the Powell River region, you might recognize some names. Reach out. Uh, get together for a coffee with someone that you know, uh, that you kind of see engaging here. And, uh, you know, ask questions. Uh, be curious. Because this faith journey is one of curiosity. It's one of asking questions. It's one of being skeptical and having doubts and processing and walking through that and asking God to help with that journey and asking the church to come alongside you in that journey. So if you're exploring faith with us, so excited that you're here. You need to hear this. Jesus came and died for you. He loves you. He came and died and he rose again because we have a sin problem. We have a brokenness problem that kept us separated from relationship with the very one who created us, who longs to have relationship with us. And that is what Jesus did. And, and salvation is not anything that you can do. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life journey, what decisions you've made, what your life looks like. All that matters is the sacrifice and the willing obedience of Jesus and us simply accepting that gift of salvation and then taking a journey of removing obstacles so that we can know our Savior and our Lord in deeper measure. If you're here and you're, you're part of our church or you are a person of faith, let me just encourage you, don't let some of the sacrifices that you've made in the past justify the willingness to be obedient to the things God is calling to you now. Don't let that justify disobedience in areas of your life. Uh, be, be both encouraged in that and be challenged in that. And I know that the Holy Spirit will give us a grace and give us a strength in our weakness to pursue willing obedience if we simply make the decision to pursue it. And so let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that you are the perfect sacrifice, the one and the only one who could be that substitute for our brokenness and for our sin. And so God, for those that are exploring faith, Lord, I pray in this moment that you would capture their hearts by your spirit, not just intellectually, not just a, an argument from an ancient book, but Lord, a living encounter right now, wherever they are, a living encounter with your presence in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are maturing in faith, those that know you, Lord, would you take us on a journey in this season of taking those steps of obedience and marrying them with sacrifice, that we would do it willingly and with a motivation to know you in deeper measure. And Lord, would that journey, would that journey change our lives forever? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, guys. Um, if you are here, why don't you just comment? Let us know that you're here. It's so encouraging to see uh, kind of who's here and who's hanging out. We don't always have the opportunity to see that unless you uh, interact with this somehow. Uh, if you're watching live, thank you for joining us this morning. If you're watching on demand later, so glad that you're here. We really believe that God has something for you in this season 
Yeah, even in this season, um, when we are maybe frustrated, maybe a little bit uh, confused or anxious, uh, God has something for us in this season. So let's pursue that. Uh, if you feel that this has added value to your journey of faith or you're part of our assembly, we would encourage you to continue to support us and partner with us. And there's a few ways that you can do that. Uh, visit myevangel.church forward slash give um, to be able to do that. Or you can visit us this morning. We're here from nine to noon uh, hanging out and we love to see your faces come in, say hi. Uh, you can give that way or our offices are open Monday to Thursday from nine to five. And so God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy the sunshine. And we'll see you on August 9th or kids come hang out with us August 13th. God bless everyone. Have a great week.